Okay, we're on. So I'm with Taylor. Taylor might be one of the newest affiliate owners in the world right now because you just opened up Blackridge Fitness. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about how it's going? Like how many days have you officially been open? Um, so what are we today? Wednesday. So that's five, six, seven, eight. This is the ninth day. So we're a week and a half into opening. Damn. Yeah, Damn. You're a gym owner. It's bizarre. It's... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it still doesn't feel real. It really doesn't feel real. It's a it's, dream. It's just such a cool looking space. Like you nailed yeah. it with that location. Yes. Yep. We've got a field across the road, and then we we just picked these um, two bright, like this blue and pink color, and it's just you know, it's yeah, it's it's perfect. very Miami. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the vibe. I used to look at um, like Waterpalooza and I said, that is my vision board. That's what I want our Instagram to look like. I want to, I want people walking here on their Friday and it's their healthy party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, it looks amazing, and I'm so freaking pumped for you. Um, now yeah. that's kind of technically your side hustle, though, and you work in a clinic doing physio stuff. Yeah, so I work in the health system. So, I work, yeah, New South Wales Health. I actually work at the hospital as a physio full time, um, and my partner Tim, he is the gym manager. And, and how long have you? How long have you been doing that job? Uh since uh, mid 2017. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you've yeah. been a physio for the past how many years? Uh, graduated at the end of 2016. So let's go 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, about six. Yeah. Okay, Five cool. or six years. Yep. And then how, were you studying prior to that? Yes. Were you full-time? Yep. Full full -time? Time. yep. Yeah. Straight yeah. out of school, into study, straight into a New South Wales health job. Been there God, since. God damn. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so obviously you went from student to working in the health system to now having this part, like, I want to say part-time side gig. It's not. It's a gym. It's like, it's full-time. Um, and potentially transitioning to them being a gym owner. And on the side, you were doing a whole lot of work on your eating. And mm -hmm. what's really cool is, like, Taylor and I have been working together for yonks for a long time. For Before I started CFK Nutrition, we were with each other at The Method now. We met mm -hmm. at Torian a couple of years back. It's just, mm -hmm. it's been this really cool journey that we've been on together. And I know that you're in a really good place right now. But what I want to get to is actually where you've come from and the the shitty times, the <laughs> The version of Taylor that we've kind of you've kind of had to unlearn to a degree. So what were the what were the what were the I mean, maybe the things that led you to getting to a point where you were like, oh, my eating's fucked up. Like, what yeah. was that journey? Yeah. Oh, gosh. And look, I it could even stem back to like early teens. Um I was always this fit, active girl. I grew up dancing um, for like 20 years, I danced. And so you're around that space of, you know, you've got to look a certain appearance, you've got to wear a certain costume. So it was always in my face. And um, I would describe my physique as more muscular than slender. Um, so it was always, you know, Taylor, you need to squeeze your legs closer together in your positions in ballet. <laughs> your quads stick out of you know you know crazy stuff um so I guess I had all that stuff early on my eating habits were very much you know what my mum and dad showed me as a a child and a teenager um and then when I got a little bit older that's when I went you know what I actually wish I was a little bit skinnier I'm what happens if I take this out of my diet and what happens if I exercise more and I guess yeah, that, that's sort of where I started. I was... Um, Do you remember your first diet? 
Oh, oh my gosh. Probably like a um, shake. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going into the chemist and like buying them when I was super young and being like, oh, this is, I don't know if I'm allowed to buy these, but I'm just going to try. And I was terrified. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And how scary, like a young teenage girl who needs all the nutrition in the world to develop and Mm. we can just easily walk into a supermarket and buy some shakes and restrict. But as we know that that results in um, a binge later on, definitely. I remember, you know, shake for breakfast, shake for lunch and then a binge. But I didn't do that for long because I actually really like food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. It was never, like I was similar, it was never long lasting. But I think it was because I considered it a failure before I'd even really stuck it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. So I guess my biggest turning point with my nutrition was back in 2013, I was actually in a boat explosion um, and I had burns to 25% of my body. I was in hospital for a month or so, had to have skin grafts, things like that. So it was was very traumatic. Um, How close were you to actually dying? You would have been, I was in shock. I thought I was dead. It, like from the photos, it was like, oh my god. Yeah, it no, was I, like was, serious I was serious. It was You're very like, oh, serious. I had some burns. I had to have skin grafts. I'm like, no, no, no. Like this was a serious accident. It was, it was fucking hectic. Yeah, yeah, it was serious. Um, uh, yeah, I guess the risk of infection was the biggest risk for me because you've taken that first layer of defense away and the um location where the boat explosion was is in a really quite dirty lake so it's a it's a like a water hole we all ski up but it's not a fresh water hole that's for sure so I was on a lot of antibiotics um prophylactically to avoid infection and things like that um yeah but I I just remember being super sick in hospital and looking at Tim at the time being like I'm not going to get through this I am so sick and the amount of weight and muscle loss during three weeks. I'm talking like 25 kilos from um, your body just trying to use everything it's got to repair. It just wants to rapidly repair. And it and I wasn't fueling it because I was so sick I couldn't eat. Yeah. Were there, so- were there parts of your brain and, like, I know that this happens for a lot of us where it's like you have some, like, really serious situation and it causes a lot of weight loss were there parts of your brain that were like, oh, this is kind of good. I'm losing weight. Yep. How, How it's fucked up. Hey, yep. I, and I can't stand yep. that I experienced that. And you're just like, this yep. is so wrong. Yep. But yet there's part of my brain that's like, oh, well, this is kind of handy. And it's like, yep. what's that movie where they're like, I'm one flew away from being my gold weight and it's <laughs> gold weight. And you're like, it's so fucked up. <laughs> so but fun. yeah. How wild is that? So wild. And I remember coming home and, you know, I was in compression and I was like, I'm freaking skinny. <laughs> you know, yeah, how, amazing. Yeah. How, how horrible, you know, you had this traumatic experience. But the positive is, is that. Yeah. Never mind. You have no muscle. You've probably like lost some bone density. Like you couldn't yeah. fucking hold a backpack <laughs> on your shoulders. It's like. <laughs> it blows my mind. If me today was back in that situation. I don't know. I actually probably would have not went to hospital. But anyways, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, after that, because I had that 
pretty intense weight loss, I went, I'm going to hold on to this. This is sick. I've sort of fast-tracked it. Now I've just got to maintain it. Um, of course, I didn't address any of the habits or anything, so it all just kept back in. And then a bit of, you know, PTSD kept it, trep, kept it, trep, kept in, you know, came in um, also and uh, resulted in, yeah, that restrictive binge eating, restrictive binge eating cycle. Well, it's almost hard because when you've gone through such a drastic weight loss and you begin to eat food again, there's regardless of how healthy you eat, it's it's like the default is you're going to gain some weight back. So I think what happens and this happens, you know, like I had COVID after Torian and was like, oh, I've lost some weight. Like, I'll, I'll see if I can just be consistent with my diet. But you begin to gain weight again. Like it just happens. And you also find that your appetite picks up because mm. you're no longer sick, you're no longer lying in the hospital bed, and you're starting to become active again. So you actually yep. just need more food. Exactly. And so then you also, along with like trying to be hold on to this weight and be quote unquote good, you also then experience guilt for this natural weight gain that's going to happen. And I'm not sure if this is what you experience, but that causes you to almost like self-sabotage further. So it's like, oh, fuck, I've, I've, fucked up I've gained some weight and like screw it oh no 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 like I won't I'll be good and then I'll go back to eating really clean and tidy and minimal food and then I I'm still gaining weight like fuck it like whatever it doesn't matter I'll have a night off and you kind of end up in this like seesaw with your mindset as well as your eating habits because not only are you feeling guilty but you're also feeling like you've got to hold on to this thing but you also it's impossible it's it, yeah. it, you're just in this total state of confusion yeah. and Kind of, you end up set up for failure based on trying to be like, I'll oh, just hold on to this and it'll be great and, and I can be happy like this. It's like it's never going to be static. Totally, yep. And like you were saying, you've been unwell, you've got that, you know, your energy expenditures through the roof and then you start to pick up, you start to socialise again, you go back out, you, you have a coffee here, there and eat there, you know. So, yeah, you just go back into your lifestyle habits and, of course, it's never going to be maintained. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Like, obviously, you are under a lot of stress. And there was, a, am sure a massive road back to being fully recovered for you. Um, and then there's like, you layer on for I, I feel like it's like 90% of people have all of their normal day to day shit, as well as the extra stressful stuff that's going on. And then on top of those layers of stress, you also have our self-consciousness our insecurities and our things about our bodies that's just always this layer on top like no matter who you are there's always that layer of like I kind of worry about my body and I'm focusing on how it looks and and what I'm eating and what that's doing to it even if you're someone who doesn't experience a lot of it there's probably a small degree so it's like you no one's immune from it really um so it's like you've got all that stuff going on plus that layer of guilt trying to change how you're eating, then going back to normal life. So did you find that you gained more weight, like on top of what perhaps you would have normally? Um, yes, yes. Probably we're looking at probably 12 months after um, the initial boat explosion. Yep, definitely. Um, my body, yeah, I recovered super quickly, but mm. the biggest thing with burns is that you are recovering for months. Like that skin is regenerating for months and months and months, up to 18 months so or longer even. Um, so, yeah, probably around that 12-month mark after the boat explosion was when I guess full um, – I was probably at my heaviest. Um, I was dealing with the most PTSD. Um, yeah, that was the holy shit that actually happened to me. Mm. Period. 
Whereas yeah. everything else is just adrenaline up until then. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Hey. Yeah. And so what did your habits turn into? Like, did you get to a point where you're like, I want to be super healthy? Like what happened from there? Yep. That's exactly what happened. Um, I went, you know what? My life just got taken away from me. I had a really good recovery. How cool is this body? How cool is this? How cool is my machine? Let's optimize the hell out of it. And to the extreme, if anyone's listening to this that knows me, I'm an extremist in whatever it is I decide to do. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, next day, I'm having this yeah. for breakfast, salad, yeah. dinner. And I did that every single day. I'm not even joking. I did not have any sugar. I'm talking artificial sugar zero sugar fruit that was different you know and mm. fruit give it to me but um uh like for 18 plus months i was yeah. to the t i Just think I had, oh my gosh and like two sessions a day a 10k run and then some more lifting weights i mean insane amount of exercise and an insane amount of low calories Mm. Yeah, it's almost like, and I think people have experienced this when they've had something like you experienced, like a massive, essentially trauma. And yeah. it could be in the form of, you know, you had something really physical impact your body. And then some people lose a family member or something like that. And it's like that will spur on massive action because it's almost mm -hmm. like super fuel for you to be like, oh, no, I need to take this serious. And there's something in it that like, you almost catch a fever for it. You're like, oh, fuck, like I can't mess this up. Your fear yeah. of being unhealthy outweighs your fear of, um, you know, exactly. any any behavior that could be to the extreme on the healthy end. Yeah. So it's like you're just propelled forward by like just this intoxicating fear of what could happen if you don't look after yourself. So obviously you were making a lot of decisions and eating incredibly well and being really strict, but was – what was it coming from? Was it a fear? Was it like a, I know I you're think, like, oh, I have a machine and I'm, and I'm, and it's almost like you sound super grateful, but yeah. what was driving it? I think being in total control. I yeah. Think, interesting. Yep, yep. So perhaps the accident I, I had no control over, that was just mm. this freak thing that happened. And, but I had control of how much I exercised. Exercise. I had control about what I put in my mouth. And I know that in any situation, if I'm not in control, that's a source of anxiety for me. So um, Ooh, I think that's yeah. totally it. Mm. That fucking nails it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think so many people will resonate with that because it, it, it is. It's like, I guess what you've said just explained both cases where someone's lost a family member or someone's been through something exactly. really scary or someone's had a crash, an accident. It's like you've lost complete control. Like you are, you are not in control of your world and your universe and your life and death almost. And it's like this realization. So you go, well, how can I maximize my time that I have? And I'll just take take control of everything that I've got to take control of. Exactly. Um, and food is the perfect way to express that. That's exactly right. And I guess in that, if you're looking at that from a post-traumatic stress way, when you're going through psychology lessons and things, they talk about like the feared brain and the more conscious, rational brain. And that feared brain for me was always in the situation when someone else or something could have had impact on me. So, of course, I had trouble going to the fuel station and I was scared that, that, that putting fuel in my car would have been a source of an explosion, which was something I couldn't control. So, yeah, all of the, the, 
the triggers for me were things that I couldn't, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's so interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. And how did that end up playing out then? You got 18 months of like incredibly disciplined eating and the no sugar and having obviously some like things that started to become like almost, you know, set in stone unwritten rules of how you eat Mm -hmm. what did that do to you like how did you move out of that what happened when you were starting to figure out that wasn't sustainable yeah so I'm talking like I've just gotten through my degree now so you've gone from that uni lifestyle and for me my uni lifestyle again was very regimented I studied between this time I worked at this time I didn't go to uni bar like I yeah you know I was very, very strict. So I went from, you know, doing however many hours a week of study um, and having free time in the afternoons and on weekends to catch up with friends and family to working full time going, my life has just been stolen. And um, a huge, uh, like it was like my world was turned upside down. Mm -hmm. So I went to a job that was full time. I had a really unsupportive boss at the time and I would come home and binge eat and I just went, to the lowest place I have ever been in my life. Um, Yeah, so lots of binge eating. I would have put on maybe even a little bit more weight um, at this stage, which starts that vicious cycle. You feel horrible because of that. And then you exercise less. So you socialise less and you stay at home and eat more and then you just get stuck in this cycle. Um, So I would also say I was probably exhausted at that stage. My adrenals had had it. It was like I hit rock bottom emotionally, physically, spiritually, everythingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's always like, I feel like a lot of people have this experience. Like you can almost find and pinpoint the exact moment that things change from some kind of shift in people's circumstance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got this new job, you've gone from student life, which you have a fairly good amount of freedom with like, you know, going to classes and that's kind of what you need to do mm-hmm. to working full time. It's like, I've talked to a lot of people lately who have been in that position where they're trying to get back to the same routine and habits and disciplined state of life that they had, you know, five years ago, which doesn't seem that long ago, but it's like, you might not have had a kid back then. You might've had a totally different job. You might not have been working. We were potentially at the beginning of COVID, you know, well, not quite five years ago, but it's like, we can be in quite a different circumstance and we try to apply the same rules and it's like, it's fucking impossible. So when life changes, we also have to change the way that we go about our daily routine and all our goals and all of our measures to have healthy lifestyles. Like they need to change with us. Um, and I think we, we get stuck in this, like, no, I should be able to do this. I should be yeah. able to keep it going. Why can't I do this? Why am I failing? I've done it before. Why can't I do it again? What's fucking yeah. wrong with me? Yeah. And so you kind of just beat yourself up for this thing, which is totally reasonable. It's like, it's totally reasonable that you've gone from part-time hours and freedom to full-time people who are assholes around you and being like, this is fucking hard. Why can't I do what I did before and feel good again? It's like you just, it's such an easy trap to fall in where you're actually the victim of circumstance. And funnily enough, it's like, you know, you might say, Hey, don't be a victim. Don't play the victim. And yes, to a degree, sure. Don't fucking play the victim. I think that that mentality can mess you up, but you have to be really good at recognizing the reality. It's like, you know, victim mindset versus 
knowing what the reality is and actually being able to objectively factor in the shit that's going on around you. It's like, that's a skill that we often learn after the fact. So you're in this position, how many, like, how long were you at this job? How long were you kind of going through this loop of like, I feel like shit, I'm going to eat like shit. Oh, a good few months, a good few months um, to the point where I took myself to the doctor. And again, I'm a big creature of habit. Health is the number one thing in my brain, but I went and asked for an antidepressant um, oh, and it was wow. super easy to get one. I had a friend who was also struggling with a similar situation, you know, losing weight and putting weight on, um, being stuck in that that dark place and she was like hey just go and again this is coming from someone who's spent years studying health just go to the doctor and ask for them ask for this medication it will help and I did and that's how I think I look back and go I was in a super low place because again you'd be it'd be a really odd day to see me at a doctor, to be honest. Yeah, it's so crazy it's but that's the help right like that's kind of what's on offering if you're feeling stuck it's like that's the first resort when it exactly. should be the last resort and the it system's is. just not set up to successfully help people in the way That's that right. they should be helped. So That's when right. you ask for this medication, what were the questions? Like, did they talk to you? Nothing. Did they yes. send you to a psychologist? Did they? Nope. Nope. Oh, nope. No, no. They gave it to me. And we know that. We know exercise. Go and seek psychological help. We, we have all those things we know that that's the most beneficial thing, but, hey, here's this pill. That's the quickest and easiest way. And don't get me wrong, of course, there's situations where that's warranted. Um, but in my case, I don't know. I, I don't know. A little bit of more help from the health system would have been lovely. Um, but I guess I'm just super fortunate for my partner who mm. I remember we'd get home from work. Usually my routine was go straight to the gym. I'm talking six months in now. I come home, I'd sit in the lounge, I'd get my tub of peanut butter and he used to drag me, <laughs> fully drag me out of the house and we'd just go for a stroll. Um, did you feel so- guilty having that experience in front of him? Like did you did that impact you or were you in a relationship where you felt comfortable around him and safe? Um, or- um, I felt safe 100% of the time but also guilty for both situations, both the the burns and the the more previous recent situation with work to be that burden on him 100%. Mm. But I also had this really weird, and I still have it, feeling that I'm glad it was me in terms of the burns. I would have hated it to be my brother or sister or, mm. you know, my mum or dad or Tim. I just, I was like, you know, I'm strong enough to get through this. I'm glad it's me. Isn't um, it? I just feel like the emotions that come up and the thoughts and feelings you have about stuff like that, that are almost a contrast or a juxtaposition to what you think you would experience. They're just, it's so interesting. And I think you get real into insight into just like the human experience. It's not, I think, it's not something that you can predict very easily because you have all these, not only are we, you know, humans that don't think in an orderly systematic way, we're emotive people, you know, it's like we're, we're, we're feelers with brains that think like we're just emotions really. Mm -hmm. But we also can think many conflicting things at the same time. So it's like, you can feel really grateful and really guilty at the same time. You can feel really angry about the accident but also really happy that it wasn't someone else and you know it's like you just have all these really complex things all going on simultaneously yeah definitely definitely 
And so then with your food, you started going to the gym with your partner. Was he yeah. doing that the whole time or did you eventually start getting out more and more? Um, uh, so we tended to get back into that routine, like I was saying about the walking. And then it was, you know, we're going to do this for a few weeks and then we'd maybe add a gym session back in. And like walking into the gym for me at this stage, going from, you know, early 70 kilos or even lighter than that to like mid 80s like I'd put on a dramatic amount of weight I was super embarrassed um like so what was your what was your lightest coming out of your accident your um the lightest during that sort of I guess anorexic phase was around 54 kilos Jesus because you oh. were about the same height hey how tall are you yep I'm about 169 170 centimeters yeah, I'm like 172. Mm. You and I are almost the same. And then so you went from like 50 fucking hell, 50 kilos. I think I weighed 50 kilos yeah. when I was like eight years old to high 80s. What was your, do you recall what the heaviest weight you uh, were? I was maybe 88. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but I mean at that stage I was throwing the scales in the pool. Like yes, it was yeah. so <laughs> traumatic to go through that and yeah. see that number. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're used to seeing, you know, 55 and then, you know, 54.8, like you're seeing these yeah. numbers and then. Yeah. yeah. That's the scary thing. It's like the scales, any emotional response, the scales is a red flag. And yeah. if you hop on them and you're excited, that's a red flag. If you hop on them and you're disappointed, that's a red flag. But I think a lot of people only think about feeling disappointed when they hop on the scales, but it's just as bad to hop on the scales and feel like a fucking weapon. Like be like, yes, I feel so good because of this number. And it's like, man, how you feel is 100% being dictated by this number. Like whether it's up or down, like it is totally controlling exactly. your brain. Yes. And your, your, your day can revolve around it. And, and I think, yeah, it's so easy to be like, I just want to see the scales do what I want and I'll feel good. And it's like, hang on. We're attached to that number. 100%. I still can be attached to that number at times. I don't I'm think it's ever going to leave me. And that's where, like, having you, Kate, having someone that, you know. Oh, I think okay. I've told you. I think I've been like, hey, don't celebrate too hard because you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, I know you're excited. Just just chill out. It's just a yeah. moment. And you're like, yeah, yeah okay, it's... all right. No, it doesn't mean anything. It's gone. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or it's jumped up 400 grams. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Like life is over. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So then what happened? You start doing a couple more sessions. What yep. were you doing? Did you, did you, obviously it seems like movement was the more accessible thing for you to start doing before you did anything with your diet. Is that yep. right? Definitely. Um, when did, when did you start working with the method now? At what point uh, is that? I would say a few months after this stage that we're talking about. So I found CrossFit. That's what happened. Yeah, was, I was going to say, when did you find CrossFit? Yep, yep. <laughs> um, roughly at this time. Yep. And is that mm -hmm. Tim that found it? Was he doing CrossFit? No, me. I had a um, a good friend who owned. They weren't an affiliate, but they were doing CrossFit style workouts. Mm -hmm. um, that yeah, she was the person that introduced me, and I actually for a few months said, "Hey, Tim, you've got to come along. You've got to come along. You've got to come along." And nice. he's actually, you know, one of these people that we can't put weight on, no matter what he bloody yeah. eats. So um, he was like, "I can't do that cardio because I will be a stick." Mm. Um, so yeah, it took a while for him to transition <laughs> over, but once we were both there, we went, "This is it." This. It's so fun. It's so fun doing it with a partner too. Like I had someone actually on my Q&A ask me, hey, my fiance is thinking of doing CrossFit. What should I do to like 
support them. And I think it was coming from someone who didn't already CrossFit. And I wanted to just be like, go do it with them. Like, that's the best thing you can do. Do it with them. Go through that experience together because it will be Definitely. fucking rad. Yes, yes. And we're at this stage now opening this affiliate, seeing all of these new faces, and we're like, remember that excitement? Yes. We are giving this to these people now. And, yeah, we've got partners and husbands and wives and everyone doing morning sessions and then the partner comes in the afternoon and I'm like, yes. I just hope that they're going home and they're talking about all the cool things that they like do. Like trash talking each other, like I fucked you <laughs> up today on Cindy. ha, <laughs> ha. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's so um, surreal that we're now being able to bring that to other people. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I think everybody has a quite a big mental shift when they start crossfitting and start using their bodies for a purpose. Um, so you started crossfitting. So I, I actually guess that that's how you found out about the method now, just yeah, the yep. community. Yep. I would have done yep. crossfit for, yeah, uh, probably a while actually before I went right well, look, I'm a health freak. Like everything that I do is, again, priority is health. But I, I don't just know enough about performance and fueling myself when and how much. And that's when I went, you know what? I've invested so much time and energy into my health. Let's just take it that next step and get someone to help me. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think Honestly, the funny thing, yeah, it's like people that are always interested in just investing more to get more out of it, it's like, are the people that will typically do really well it's like they're just really interested in learning getting any little golden nuggets they can from any which direction and throwing themselves in the deep end and i think so many people kind of hold back a little bit because they're not sure mm. and yeah like even like you said the value thing it's like some people will value you know i had a housemate who was like i want to lose weight but i do not want to quit alcohol and she was a bench drinker like she would drink very heavily on the weekends and it was like look uh, one, you're probably looking at it at a bit of an all or nothing approach. Like it doesn't require you to never drink a touch of alcohol again. But if you're s refusing to address your health because of this one activity that you really love, then that one activity has now become a barrier to your health. It's become a real problem. So it's not actually that your drinking is an issue. It's that it's the barrier for you to become a healthier version of yourself because sure. people are not willing to give that up. And all they can focus on is what they have to lose in order to gain the thing that they kind of want exactly. it's just a funny thing with value and prioritizing things and I just find that people that are like they almost like don't question the price and I'm not saying that people should just fucking like you know drop all of their money on a, a coach but I am saying that when people are willing to spend money on their health and invest in themselves without second guessing it or wondering if they should or not those are the people that over the long haul will typically and i'm not going to say absolutely I, I can't say that because i don't i haven't got the studies or the evidence right now to to say to prove my point but if you're spending money on your health now what we hope is that in the future you're not going to have to spend as much money it's like it's Definitely. there's no way to avoid spending money on your health it's just whether you do it now or later at the end That's of the day right. and, and and we're all going to spend some money at the at the end of our life because fucking 70 percent of us are going to die from chronic disease and the other 30 percent are probably going to have some kind of chronic disease on the day that we die even though it's not might not be the cause of death so yeah. it's like at some point we're going to be dealing with that shit and how many of us are going to get to that point and go fuck, I wish I did something about this earlier. I wish I learned. I wish I knew. I wish I had some advice. I wish I had someone. I wish I did this. I wish. And it's yeah. like, 
why not do it now? And even if you don't figure it out the first go, even if you find a coach that isn't quite right, it's like that's all just a learning experience and you just figure it out and put the pieces together. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, it's so lovely to hear you go, I'm all in on all that stuff. Like health is, you know, a non-negotiable. And so when I sign up and do the CrossFit thing, then I'm like, oh, let's do the health thing. Even though I've studied health, even though like I work in a hospital with people that are dealing with their health, it's like, how do I, can I do this better? Can I, can I figure this out more? It's like, don't expect to be able to do it yourself. It's the same reason we don't fucking cut our own hair. Like, right. It's like you go to someone, you go to someone who's had training to do that. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Yeah. That's my rant for the day. Okay. So <laughs> You find CrossFit, you discover the method now, we meet, boom, yes. enter, enter Kate. Yep. So I remember talking to you and we started tracking from the beginning, but it was really hard on weekends. And I think what would happen is you would go for a few weeks being quite consistent and then a weekend will blow out. And then it would become like more and more regular that a week will blow out. So we'd try to increase your calories and then it would become, okay, let's do lower calories during the weekdays and then higher calories on the weekends. And then we kind of kept going back and forth. And then I think we got to a period where we actually stopped tracking. Yep. Yep. I actually forgot all that, but yes, we definitely did. <laughs> we, like, we almost got worse before we got better, which was an yes. interesting experience. And like, yep. man, I'm so glad that you were just like, okay, just take my hand and guide me because I think a lot of people would potentially be like, oh, it's not working. I'm going to do something else and just leave and walk away. And it's like, no, there was method to the madness. There was a plan. We just had to figure it out by making little shifts and tinkering with it constantly for months. And then we found what worked. So yep. So tracking for you initially was almost like being on a diet and being restrictive again. Yep. And definitely. then on the weekends you were socializing. Exactly. Yeah. That classic mon good, good for Monday to Friday. And then weekend would come around and be like, sweet, you know, rules are off. Mm. Did you eat out a lot on the weekends? No, I never, I've never been a person to eat out a lot. I just, I used to love cooking. Um, mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mainly. And Tim obviously can eat a lot of food. So you've got a partner who's like, you can shovel it in and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I'm talking like an $800 grocery bill a week. Like, you know, we'll buy the lamb and we'll buy all the trout and the salmon. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was a little bit of an exaggeration, but he ate a lot of food. <laughs> okay, so then how did you, like, how was your brain, uh, like, dealing with all of this? With You had a nutrition coach, you were really enjoying CrossFit, but you were still struggling with, like, being consistent with hitting the macros. What, how are you dealing with them? Yeah, I guess, like, I questioned it, definitely. I would have said to Tim, like, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing. You know, it's not working. I would have went through all those phases. But I honestly respected you so much. And I was like, this chick knows what she's doing. Let's just ride it out. Just like life. Let's just, you know, consistency is key. Let's just see what happens. Um, yeah. And I think that's, I just kept trying to turn up. And when you look back on that phase, that first portion where we were working together at The Method Now, do you look back on it and think, like, I know that you were quite consistent, even though there were some ups and downs. Does it, I, I guess when we think of consistency, consistency back then might have been different to what consistency is for you now. Like, I think for some people, they expect consistency to be, you know, 80 to 90% every day, bang on across mm -hmm. weeks and weeks and weeks without mm -hmm. having any dramas. Mm -hmm. But they're talking about 
being in a place where they're not able to do 40% consistently for weeks and weeks. So then that leap is huge. And so what consistency can actually look like for a lot of people is you're 40% to 50% and then maybe there's a fuck up and then you go 50% for four weeks and then there's a fuck up and then you go 40% and then slowly we try and get it to like 60% all the time and then 70% all the time. But what happens is consistency can feel like shit. Like consistency can feel like you're not being very good and not doing very well for a while. Is that what you feel like when you think back to that stuff? Yeah. And now that you mentioned that, I do remember you saying, hey, it's been three weeks since your last you last went over your calories and then it's been six weeks, it's been seven weeks. And though having you reflect back on that goes, makes me go, actually, I have gotten somewhere. I'm not a failure at this point in time. Um, I use that all the time now, by the way, whenever people have a mess up, I'm like, okay, tell me when, when was your last mess up? And they're like, it was four weeks ago. And I'm like, Dude, you just got four fucking awesome weeks. Amazing. Let's see how many weeks you can do this time. Like that was the reality. Yep. And compared to six months ago where you were binge eating every single night, like what a transition. Mm, Yeah, it is sometimes focusing on the wins and letting the bad times just be like part of the process and you just keep trying. Yep. So do you remember the point where you stopped tracking? Um, Just... (laughs) just and I feel like I lost control Mm -hmm. like I lost you yeah I like having the numbers I like being able to hit a target I've that type a personality that has to you know hit the nail on the head I feel like at that time I went holy moly no strings attached a little bit anxious sort of some of those um, emotions and old habits were sort of trying to creep back in so it was a yeah um a little bit of a confusing time, but also a big, important time to go through as well. Yeah, because I think, and obviously we also had a bit of a break where you, we were in between, I was in between companies and then end of last year, we started working together again. So I I just remember when you came, when we started working together again, it was like working with a different person. Do you feel the same way? Like, is that what you felt like you got to when you started doing the tracking thing with a coach again? Um, I guess so. Yeah. um, You're you're allowed to say no if you're like, no, I I was just me. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like you just said, you know, when on my side of things, when I was thinking about you having six weeks of not going over your calories. Whereas, you know, months prior, you'd been doing it every night or every weekend. And then it was like, suddenly you weren't doing it for a month. And then it was six weeks and then two months. It was like, hey, I can see all of this progress and and there's quite a bit of change happening. And I guess it was the same thing when we started working together again after a break. And I was like, oh, she's not even telling me that she's gone over her macros at all anymore like it's we're almost like we're actually getting more and more um not disciplined but we're becoming more rigid around them even like i'm actually able to push you to your limits further because you're like your compliance was like almost a breeze yep for sure for sure and i think what makes it a breeze is that you're actually fueling yourself and it's not hard to hit the calories because you're put you're putting enough in yeah yeah for what you're putting out yeah and I think that's where I'm at at the moment like I'm honestly not I'm in a deficit at the moment but I'm never really 
hungry because I feel I'm fueling myself to the to the perfect point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at the moment, I've really honed in on making sure I hit carbs. The ratios, I never used to do that. I used to just do hit my protein, make sure I maintain that calorie um, recommendation. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm all for performance and mm-hmm. longevity. And so my carb to fat ratio is definitely more on point. Yeah, I think we've even kind of dropped your protein down a little bit. So it's yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. So I wish I had, and I don't have it, I, I will have it somewhere, but I wish I had like your history of calories. I oh, think I remember funny. when you started, it was like we were trying to maintain 2,200 or yeah. somewhere around that mark and it was impossible. So we'd almost, the average would probably be more like 2,500 or 2,600. Mm-hmm. And then we'd sort of bring up the numbers a little bit to try and factor it all in. And then we'd bring them down and we kind of went back and forth. And then when you started with me again, I think this round, we started around the 2200. And then, yeah, and then you sat there for a while and then we dropped it down to 21 or 2000. Mm -hmm. And then for the past probably two, maybe even three months, I think you've been Mm -hmm. around like 1800, 1900. Yeah, I would say high 1900s. I think the marker for me was that, yeah, I think the marker for me with being cool with the lower calories is that you were consistently eating those on your own before I even gave you targets. Um, So it was like very clear to me that there was no like big ups and downs. The the weekly average was just like week on week on week on week. It was like 2,100 for a while. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's go 2,000 and then we'll go to 1,900. Um, And we've never had to go lower than that. And I think we even, so now like what Taylor and I do is, she sits at a calorie deficit and it's, it's minimum. It's the, it's the perfect minimum amount where she's training a session every day, that's 60 to 90 minutes. Um, she's running her gym. She's also doing her own work. And then she will have diet breaks roughly every six to eight weeks. And we'll do at least a week. And there'll be times where it'll be maybe two weeks. Well, we'll bump her up to like 22, 23, even 2,500 calories. Like I tend to give you like a rough guide of like, Hey, like, you know, just increase. It's just about enjoying it. If you want to eat out, if you're away, if there's a holiday, if there's an event, let's make it that week. Um, We nicely aligned it with your period, the last one, which was really cool. So we got it at the end of your luteal phase, um, which is really nice. Just when we all kind of want more food. And then the other thing that we're going to introduce is refeed days. So being in a calorie deficit for an extended period of time, what we'll try and do is have breaks frequently. And then for people that are like quite busy humans and that want, you know, performance improvements as, as well as aesthetics, the refeed days can be super beneficial. And the prompt for me to talk to Taylor about that was that there was just like one day every now and again where you're like, I'm flat you have a whoop and she's like, my fucking recovery is like red. It's bad. My HRV just dived. And I'm like, okay, we, I think we probably, we've got signs that you need more food. Yep. Yep. And so we've just added in some refeed days. How many calories did you have on that refeed day over the weekend? Oh, um, but God, I felt good the next day. (laughs) Um, And just saying that like last week we opened our gym. It was crazy. Like, Tim and I slept one night. He slept an hour and a half. We were on this super high, but we were super anxious. It was everything we wanted it to be, but we wanted everything else to be perfect. Like I remember at 2 a.m. and I am I'm a very good sleeper. Um, we moved out to the lounge and I was like, it's okay, Tim. We've only got two hours until we have to be awake. <laughs> 
Let's it's all good. We're, this is fine. Everything's on fire. This is fine. Anxiety from knowing that you're awake after 12 p.m. after 12 a.m. was like horrendous. Anyway, so <laughs> that week, last week, I was talking to you lots, and I knew I needed something to support me. So, um, which is super. Like, I'm super proud of myself to be able to get to that point because I remember, you know, five years ago, if I felt low in energy, that meant my body was using all of its stores. Woohoo! That meant weight loss. Now I'm like, hey, I need some food. Yes. Function to to repair, to um, you know, to retain and maintain my menstrual cycle. Like the change in my thought pattern is like I think that would be one of the most proudest things I of my life, to be Just honest. The fact that you even reached out. I think so many yeah. people suffer and struggle and some of them even do have a coach but they just won't say anything on the day that it's happening and then by the time they can roll around it's they've forgotten about it and now it's yeah. like I'll get an update so Taylor and I are just doing text message check-ins now the process with CFK is that you'll do a minimum of, of three months of proper full online check-ins and then at that point you can drop down to just a text once a week um, and so now you and I just kind of like casually text whenever I text you on check-in day you're like everything's amazing so it's actually really valuable for those moments that you are aren't having an amazing day when you're like, hey, Kate, I feel pretty flat. What do you want me to do with my food? And that way I actually in the moment can give you direction rather than waiting till check-in day. And it's like, it's forgotten about. So I fucking love that. It makes my job so, it's so much better for me to be able to do it as you go rather than relying on, you know, information two days after it happened. And it's, it's, it's a process that when we hear from the people that we're working with frequently, it, it makes it so much better for us to give the right kind of advice and the right kind of help and support. But it takes you being in that place where you can ask. Mm. And I know that you're the kind of person where, like, I don't think I've heard you say anything negative ever. Like, you're an incredibly positive human being. <laughs> and I'm like, just say something bad, goddammit. <laughs> just be mad about something. Be frustrated. And I'm not saying that you haven't struggled, but you're always like, no, everything's great. Everything's really good. <laughs> So it's like sometimes it's hard to if you're that kind of person, it sometimes it can be hard to be like, hey, this is fucking shit. Mm. What do I need to do? Like and, you know, without blaming yourself, just being like, I, can can we do something? Can I let you know this? Can you give give me some help? And it's like just getting support. It can be a really hard thing to do. So, mm. yeah, I'm very proud of you as well. I think I think that's been an incredible change. So how does it yep. feel now? Like, how do you feel? How do you? How do your brain think now when it comes to those things? Do you still have the old thoughts come up and then you have yeah. a reframe? Yep, I definitely have the old thoughts come up. Um, definitely not as often, but I can just like bang it on the head. Um, yeah. Do you Sorry, feel like you've got more self-awareness? 100%, 100%, 100%. I just feel like my body, I'm just, we're so lucky to have these machines Um that I just want to feel it just like a car. You know when it's getting low, the lights are flashing. They're your alerts. So, yeah, yep. No, it's, yeah, it's a I really think, cool place to be at. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you hear the thoughts and you recognise them as old thoughts that you've had in the past, it's like you can come, almost grab them and be like, oh, hey, like I recognise you, I see you, like get out of here. I'm going to focus on this other thing yes. instead. But um, it, it takes a while to be able to not put meaning to that stuff. And just know that they're just going to pop up. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I Steph, I voice them to Tim lots, and it's there's a lot of reflection of, 
oh my gosh, can't believe I used to think like that. And, you know, that, that this thought just popped in my head. Where did that come from? Like that's the old way of thinking. It, it's just bizarre. Our brains, how they store these thoughts and um, comments and the way that we speak to ourselves, it, it's just so complex. Um, yeah, no, they definitely pop up, definitely. And I guess that's when I would either voice them to you or voice them to Tim or um just stay consistent and yeah again just keep showing up yeah I've definitely noticed that you've said it to me where you're like oh, I had this day where I felt a bit shit like body image wise and like you know it was it was whatever but I'm feeling good today and it's like okay cool like just knowing hey there are days where you will feel shitty about your body and yep. then it's like you move on um yep. when you have weekends or days or events where you have gone over your calories mm. how do you feel about that stuff now um, I just move on now. Whereas I used to, you know, when I'd go over on a Sunday, that Monday was, again, lowering mood. I'm a failure. I wish I didn't do that. Next weekend, I'm not going to do that. I had those thoughts. Whereas now I'm like, hey, it's life. That's like one meal out or going over your calories once is probably actually good for you, <laughs> me in this mm. situation where I am putting a lot out. Um but, yeah, no, that's life. And if you can't do those sorts of things, what's the, you know, look at the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just seems like the perspective shifts, right? Like there's a big perspective shift. It's like one mistake actually is really nothing in the big scheme of things because you can see the months and the years that you have ahead of you to where they're just opportunities to continue doing this new habit or this new eating thing or behavior or lifestyle. And it's like a day, a weekend, a week off. Like, you know, I actually, I think even giving you a diet break is almost quite a good test for your mentality because I'm like, yeah. hey, you're going to eat more deliberately for a week. Yes. And I think that can be, you know, I couldn't have told you to do that. Probably when we started, you would have been like, hey, I need a new coach. Yeah. So it's yeah. actually really nice to be in that place where I'm like, we're having a break. I yep. know you've, you're on a good roll. I get yep. it. But we're taking a week off yeah and, and don't know that wrong. I'm like I'm gonna lose all those gains like I still think <laughs> that way 100% um or like you know friends have asked you to go out on the weekend and I'm like oh I have to try and fit that in my macros somehow like there is that source of stress and that want to avoid those situations definitely um but again bigger picture that's life and sometimes going out with your friends is just what you, you know, you needed. And so is it something where you are driven by how you feel, like how you want to feel? Cause I know, you know, emotions, we were just saying before, it's like, we're, we're just creatures that have a lot of emotions. We're like, what is it like complex house plants or something like that? Um, so when you feel stuff that's potentially negative, about, you know, like, oh, like I have to like eat more or I, I ate too much or whatever. Is there something or even like with training and, and meal prepping and, you know, you said if I overeat the next day, I just get back into it. Is there something that motivates you to keep going? Is it is it the feeling of how it will like make you feel later on? Like, what is it that makes you push to do this? Um, a combination of things. The feeling, definitely. Just feeling healthy, feeling energetic, being pain-free. Um, I know when I overeat, I definitely feel inflamed. Like I'm not a person that, and gosh, I'm a physio, so I'd hope not, but I, I don't have 
you know, knee tendonitis and I don't have a bad shoulder and things like that because I, I like to think I do a lot of body work, but I also try and keep the inflammation low. Um, and I, I love that feeling of feeling healthy. Um, I also want to perform good when I train and like I, I'm sort of trying to step into being a little bit more of a competitive athlete in terms of at local comps and you know trying to increase my score each year in the open and things like that so I guess bigger picture is I just want to keep getting better I just want to see how far I can go at things and um yeah yeah so what does a week look like for you now oh and gosh you're asking me a really good time it is a weird time <laughs> Okay, <laughs> what are, like, like my whole timeline when you when before you open the gym when you're doing your normal physio at the hospital hours? Yep. <laughs> what does a week look like? An average week. Okay, so um, usually start off on Monday, pretty cruisy. I have the same breakfast every single day: um, eggs, trout, or salmon or something on toast, sourdough, whatever it is. Um, I go to work and then usually train every afternoon um, from about 6 till 7.30. That's sort of what I do from Monday to Friday. Um, occasionally I'll, well, often I'll do a stretching session in the morning or we'll throw a rest day in there and I'll, you know, go and throw the stick for the dog out the back or, you know, go for a run with him or something like that. But Monday to Friday is pretty regimented. It was, you know, breakfast, go to work, come home, do a few jobs, train, sleep, repeat. Um, do you pre yeah. into your food? Yes and no, because my week is very standard. I sort of know what I eat and how yeah. many calories I've got left for dinner and stuff like that. At the moment, definitely pre-entering um, because my schedule's a bit crazy. But I also am really focusing on a good post-workout meal. So usually when I'm at work, it's train dinner straight away so i'll get a good source of protein carbs and some fat in that big dinner at the moment we're training um just before lunch so i've actually transitioned my lunch a little bit to um consume more carbs post training um yeah so that's where i've just been playing around a little bit in the last two weeks but yeah so usually no i don't pre-enter because i'm very again Scared. Yeah, it's like you're doing the same thing, yeah. Same thing every day, the same lunch every day and dinner just changes. Um, but at the moment, yeah, pre-entering. Do you have stuff that you meal prep most weeks? Like what are your sort of foods that you always have prepped yeah, somewhere yeah. in the fridge? Um, so I usually have a, like a massive salad at lunch, usually, and they're normally prepped ready to go or like I'll do them What's up. What's your salad? Pre- What's the Taylor Hemming special salad? Oh, God, <laughs> Some sort of lettuce or leafy green. Like I try to mix it up, kale, um, yeah, just a salad mix of whatever it is. Throw some rocket in there. I'll throw some alfalfa sprouts or some snow, snow pea sprouts or something like that. Usually tomato, cucumber, capsicum, shallots, um, and then something crunchy, like the crunchy combo mm. that you can get. Um, some avocado and some tuna is my usual go-to. Nice. Yep. Love it. We might have to get that recipe and like make it a post or something like the Taylor tuna salad. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. It's so easy. Um, 
And I know my sister-in-law and my sister, they're always like, hey, what's that salad again? (laughs) But again, the key, you've got to have crunch, you've got to have the healthy fat, you've got to have protein because Mm -hmm. it will not fulfill you unless you've got those sort of things. Yeah, 100%. So do you have carbs with that meal outside of obviously the vegetables? Do you have any starchy carbs? Um, I No, not really at that meal. It's usually um, a piece of fruit or something. Like I might, I'll have a banana or something with that just to boost the carbs up. But that's my away from training meal usually. Um, so that's my lowest calorie meal of the day. But like I said, I've transitioned that and I've added some rice and things to um, bump it up. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And then what else do you meal prep? Um, usually our roast veg. So we, we eat a heap of root veggies, um, beetroot, sweet potatoes, lots of white potatoes, and we will just bake a heap the night before. Like every night we have some sort of roast veg. Um, so they're always in the fridge ready to go. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're pretty good at rotating your like animal protein sources you have like trout or salmon you have tuna you have chicken and then red meat Mm -hmm. do you have do you have what do you when you obviously when you're doing your supermarket shop what's in your trolley like what are you always getting every week um at the moment we're actually getting some grass-fed mints we're having um spaghetti bolognese um once a week which is good usually a like a scotch fillet steak salmon um lamb at the moment we've got a really cool butcher here um locally sourced antibiotic free um which is a huge thing in i'm from a small town so we don't have these things often anyways (laughs) we've opened up a butcher and we love it so i go there and get their marinated lamb occasionally they'll do some fun stuff like venison Ooh. Um, oh my god! Actually, <laughs> I love how happy you are. Right now. <laughs> Leanne, that owns the business, she's like, "Oh, do you want to try some venison?" I was like, "Sure." Ate it. Googled what it was, and was like, "Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, Venison is beautiful, though. Venison is a really tasty, tasty treat. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so I really enjoy venison. They stock that. We get that now, and I love kangaroos. So I love those really dainty. Oh, meats. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Do you? So I haven't really eaten a lot of kangaroo. Is it similar to venison? Very similar. Very lean. Yep. Low yep. fat. Yeah. Yeah. High protein. Ah, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, I I don't think I've ever really been able to stomach the idea of eating kangaroo that's the thing that prevents me from eating it but yeah no i love it just go go to woolies get the sizzle steaks okay. just two all minutes right. heaps of salt and pepper okay all right done yeah. <laughs> amazing okay cool so like you know every time we text you're always like i feel so fucking good this is amazing You've been really consistent with your training. I can see that you're getting stronger. You're getting fitter. You've been winning a couple of local comps. Like you just, you, everything is improving for you. You're in a really good place with eating where you've got structure and discipline, but you're also super judgment free and you have mistakes and you just roll with it now. What do you like? And I know that this is going to be a hard question because it's going to be like a pick the pivotal moment, but is there a moment or is there a switch in your brain or a transition that you feel like you not owe this to, but you feel like you wouldn't be here if you didn't have something, that thing in your brain change? Yep. Mm, I would say, and this is probably super cliche, but working <laughs> 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 
Um, and it, is it just having it. someone like on the yes. outside looking in? Yes. Someone that you know is not going to judge you. Um, absolutely. Having that non-bias support, definitely. Yeah, it's funny how that works, hey? Hands down. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so glad. It's been like, it's been really cool working with you. It's It's been, and that's why, you know, I wanted to have you on here because it's been so long. You've been through quite, quite an amazing journey to kind of get spat out at this point. Um, mm. And it's really obvious some of the changes that you've had and you've always been a really positive person, but it is just different now. Like there are things where you ask for help, you speak really openly about how you're feeling, the good days, the bad days. And, and like I said, like you kind of roll with them and there's a lot less judgment. Um, mm. What do you see moving forward? Like, where are you going at the moment? Um, well, priority is the gym. Um, hopefully get it to a stage where maybe I can go part-time because I really love coaching. I really love being part of the, the process of owning a business and making it what you want and getting clients to feel a certain way. Um, definitely want to move into that space a little bit more but I, I hands down still want to be a physio I love being a physio I don't love being a physio in the health system if you're not catching if you haven't caught that vibe yet um, <laughs> it's just super secure and it, it supports us with what we're trying to do with yes this yeah um yeah so that's sort of where I am at the moment but honestly and I'm going to say it now because it might be it's a crazy goal but the last week and a half I've said to Tim, I want to be on seminar staff. Ooh. I said, I don't know what the process is. I don't know how long away that might be. I actually don't know, but I want to share this message. Mm. CrossFit is awesome. You got the fire. You got the light in your eyes. Mm. I can feel it. <laughs> and, like, I've only got my level one, so there's, a, you know, a massive process to go through. And, again, I haven't ever even looked into it, but I'm like, this is what I want to preach. Mm. Mm. I think I think that's fucking cool. So yeah. the level two is obviously your next step and you'll love the level mm -hmm. two because from the level one, for everybody listening, the level one is like, it's like the basics of what CrossFit is and why we do it. And it will cover off like, you know, the it's almost like we just define everything that you you'll already be familiar with in terms of the words that we use and the way we describe stuff and, and what's, you know, important and what the priorities are, but we just give you a really good definition of it. So you understand what we mean when we say we're trying to get fitter. You understand what we mean when we're talking about variance. You understand what we mean when we're talking about technique versus intensity. It's like, you just kind of get this understanding of all these things. We, we actually talk about nutrition as well. Um, so the, the level one is like you probably, you know, we, it's designed in a way where you don't have to be a coach. Anyone can do it. And I'm sure that you have that feeling now where I'm like, oh, I, I wish that everybody that I train in the gym with would do their level one because it, it lights a fire. Like if you want to feel pumped about doing CrossFit and excited to do it and committed to it, the level one will kind of get you there because it gives you this really deep understanding of it. And what happens is, especially if you're someone who's quite holistically minded, it will become very clear how your values align with the CrossFit value and the CrossFit methodology. And that will we'll take care of motivation a lot of the time you know it's like when you understand the why it's very easy to do something because you're like fuck yeah like that's i 100 agree with that so the level one is very much methodology and concepts and understanding the basics and and we do some of the movements as well the level two which 100 you should be doing as soon as you possibly can 
it is much more about coaching. So if people have done their level one and it's about to expire, when they ask me, hey, should I do my level one again or should I do my level two? My question is usually, are you coaching? If they're not coaching, I often will tell people to actually just redo their level one because, man, I can tell you I've done about 100 level ones and I learn something new every single time. It's like you just get this refresh of this information. It's said in a slightly different way. Someone adds an analogy you've never heard and it's like, oh, wow, that just lit my brain up. I had it happen to me just the other week. I was like, I've never heard it said like that. That's so good. And it was really simple. And I was just like, fuck yeah. Um, But if someone's coaching, I'm always like, do the level two, definitely do the level two. And what you'll do, and it's terrifying, you'll be watched while you coach. And we start off with just one-on-one. And then eventually by the end of the weekend, you coach a group and you'll teach some basic movement. Um, and, and what we're looking for is like, can you demonstrate the skills that we know make up a good trainer? Are you good at teaching something? Can you see faulty movement? Can you see well-executed movement? And then when you see a faulty movement, can you correct it? And what kind of correction strategy strategies do you have? How do you communicate it? Do you use visual cues? Do you use verbal cues? Have you ever used a tactile cue? So it's like really basic stuff, but it will just get into some of the nitty gritty of like coaching people. So it's incredibly, incredibly valuable if you're a coach. Um, and as much as it's scary being watched, being under pressure like that will make you a better coach faster than anything else you can do. Because having someone over your shoulder and you having to perform and fucking get it right when your half of your brain is like, someone's watching me, someone's watching me, someone's watching me. <laughs> when you get back into the gym and your coaching is normal, you'll you'll just be you'll be on a roll. Like it'll be, it'll be smooth. It'll be, it'll be effortless. That pressure is gone and you'll have new material to work with, with regards to delivering what you need to deliver as a coach. So the level two is super valuable for people who are on the floor a lot of the time. And we get into the nitty gritty of some other um, concepts and stuff as well. Like we talk a little bit more about programming. Um, We talk about nutrition, but nutrition from the perspective of, hey, when you've got people in your gym that want to change their nutrition and and what state they're in, like, are they ready to change? Have they already tried something? Are they motivated? Like, where are they at? Um, So there's super cool stuff from a coach or gym owner perspective. The level three is what's required to be on staff. So the level three is a four hour exam. It's a shit ton of content online, including the level one and the level two trainer guide, as well as like basically the CrossFit journal from, you know, 2000 and whatever year it started. So it's a ton of articles and a ton of videos and a ton of random stuff that you'll see. Um, It's a mixture of everything from like Kelly Starrett to um, Lon Kilgore to like stuff about cholesterol and you know it's it's a it's a bit of a combination of everything um so it's a very thorough comprehensive exam that will catch you out if you're not familiar with the content a lot of people ask me how to study for this and it's the most painful answer but it's study the material don't go off the material study the fucking material make notes on it go back through your notes and know what the material is based on what your notes say so that was my process i went through watched all the material made all my notes to the degree that I could just revisit my notes when I needed to. I didn't have to go and watch the original material again or read it. I could use my notes and that would trigger what that thing was about. And then once you pass your level three, then you have the process of jumping on staff. Um, And I go into this much detail because I get this question a lot. A lot of people are like, I fucking want to be on staff. Like they love this thing. And the process for getting on staff is it's actually an online interview at first. They've just changed it recently. So you do an online chat and people will talk to you about, you know, what you do, who you are, where you come from, why you want to do this, as well as give you a rundown on how it works so that you don't go into it blind. Previously, it's been very much like 
you just walk into like you're walking on fucking hot coals and you just got to figure it out. Um, but now you get a little bit more guidance. You get to kind of walk in with a little bit of a framework to work off and kind of know what you're going to be doing um, so that we can, I guess, really test you and assess you a bit more accurately rather than just who works well under pressure because it doesn't necessarily produce the best coaches. So you'll go into a level one seminar once you've gotten past that first interview and you'll just observe and you'll watch. I believe now there is a little bit of coaching, but that might not be until the second seminar that you do. But either way, at some point, you'll coach part of the movement portion of the, the seminar. So there's three main breakout groups in the level one. There's the squats group, there's the pressing group, and there's the pulling group or the deadlift group. And there's our three basic movements within each movement, within each breakout group. So in the air squat group, uh, in the squats group, you'll teach the front squat typically. So you'll coach for like maybe like 10, 15 minutes, just running people through the setup of the squat and the execution of the squat and checking in the points performance and making sure that people are hitting the positions. So really your job is to make people move like a ninja. And if you're good at that, you'll be recommended to jump on staff or you'll be recommended to do another weekend. So for example, I did, I think I did, um, four weekends before I got recommended for staff. So I did four seminars. Um, and then in some cases you'll be recommended to go away for six to 12 months. So it could be like, Hey, come back in a year, go work on your skills, go develop yourself and come back and you can try again in 12 months. So a lot of people will get that. Um, and then there are some cases where it's like, Hey, you're not right for the job. Um, so that's kind of the process. So it can be quite lengthy because it's like, you know, for you, if you've got your level one, it's like, hey, step two, get your level two. Mm -hmm. Then step three, get your level three. And then step four, do the internship process. Um, but it's definitely something that is doable. We actually just had a female trainer in New Zealand join. Um, she jumped on staff. She's someone that I used to work with at CrossFit New Zealand. And she's the bubbliest, most enthusiastic person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> but um, it's really cool because we don't have that many female trainers on staff. There's definitely um, many more men than women so it's cool to see some more female trainers but that's that's the process so it's one of those things where if you know that that's what you want to do then you know get involved with the level two and and get to know the trainers like get to know the people that are working that seminar and and ask them for advice you know we say at every seminar like hey you can contact us you can reach out to us and ask us questions i just highly recommend if you want to be on staff that you utilize that and learn from the people that will eventually be observing you um, because if you figure out how they do things and what they're looking for and what they advise, then that's going to be a nice way for you to get some insight. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the process. Yeah. So you'll one day be a part-time physio, a part-time gym owner, part-time seminar staff member. Maybe, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. The world is my oyster at this point. So um, yeah, yeah, it's very exciting times. Very, very so what would you say, I know we just went on a massive tangent, tangent. anyway, for anyone who's still here listening, what <laughs> would you say to someone in your position, let's say, when did we start working together? It would have been about three years ago, maybe. Yeah. In your position, maybe around the time you started CrossFit or like when you were, let's say like, I know you kind of got to that point where you were like at, at your heaviest, you felt the worst. It was when you were binge eating every night what would you say to someone in that position? Like what would be step one or what would be the thing that you would tell them if they were like, uh, if it was a friend of yours being like, I'm, ugh, I'm having a hard time. Like um, my eating's been shared and I just keep on overeating at night. What would you, what would you tell them? Um, I don't know if I'd tell them anything, to be honest. I would say I'm here for you. Contact me whenever. 
I, I don't know if I would direct or oh, like words of, of advice um, would be, you know, get support, have someone around you. But I just know with my experience, Tim was the best person I had supporting me because he didn't say anything. He was he was just there, um, non-judgmental, but he was always there. So I would hope that that's what I could provide a friend is I'm here, message me whenever you need me, let's go for a walk. Um, and to be honest, when you're at that stage, you're not listening to, listening to anyone. Like when, you're, when you're that low and, yeah, I'm reflecting on my lowest period, um, yeah, you don't listen to anyone. You're, you're stuck in your own minds, but knowing that they're there for you and that they're going to do anything they can to support you is probably the best thing that I could have had at that time. Yeah. Um, words of advice would be, yeah, get some help. Yeah, have someone to, to um, yeah, I guess get a coach. Yeah, have someone to check in, um, reflect with, vent to, yeah, and that person from the outside looking in. And that's sometimes the benefit. Like I often tell people, I'm like, hey, your coach is someone you can just vent to every week. <laughs> like that's sometimes the benefit that people get. You know, we can give people macros and calories and tell them to eat more fiber. But sometimes the best part of the process is when you can just open up to someone and indulge in just talking about your, your shit that you're dealing with. Um, because sometimes, especially when it comes to food, I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like food is really unimportant. I, you know, it's a bit of that mindset of like, there are starving children in Africa. So like, you're so fucking privileged with your problems. So it's, it's sometimes hard to like, even want to talk about it with people. Cause you're like, oh, I know this is really pathetic. Like, I know that for me, sometimes with Greg, like I've had to sit down and be like, Hey, I'm struggling with this thing. And I'm, I'm actually having a harder time just talking about it than I am thinking about it because it feels so stupid. Like it feels so silly. And I think that we really undermine ourselves by feeling that way. So your coach kind of can just be like your channel out for that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been times where I'm just like, Hey Kate, has this ever happened to you? Or like this actually come up on my blood reading. Yeah. My, my doctor's worried, but I really don't give a shit. What is yours? <laughs> like, what are your, what's your perspective on the situation and stuff like that? So yeah. Yeah. Having a coach is the best thing ever. Yeah. And it's funny. I think it's been nice where you have come on and off where it's like, you know, we've done a lot of work together, but there was a break in the middle and it's people can do that same thing with their journey. They don't have to stay with the same person forever. They don't have to be with the same type of coach. It could be a therapist. It's someone who's working with psychology and then someone who's working with nutrition and then a CrossFit coach that's, you know, in the gym. It's like, it's different people. You're just looking for people that are good examples, people that you can ask for help and you trust their opinion and people that, you know, want to support you. And they're just a good person to have in your life. It's like, I actually, one of my really good friends now, she initially employed me as her coach. And she was like, look, to be honest, I didn't give a fuck if you were my coach. I just knew that I wanted to have someone like you around. And so I was like, I'll pay for it. Like, fuck it. And we eventually became friends outside of work as well. But it was like, I was like, I guess that's one way to do it, right? Like if we're the product of the what five people that we're surrounded by, make yep. your coach someone fucking awesome. <laughs> and then yep. it's like, you're surrounded by that person, yep. right? You've got that yep. impact. You've got that influence. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's where we work because I like, I don't know, if you were a fly in our house, you'd think I was super weird, but I'm like, Kate, 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 Kate said this, Kate did this. Um, <laughs> so just <laughs> So I, yeah, I just, 
highly value your input and your your education and your own personal journey that I'm like, she's the chick I want looking over me. Yeah, that means a lot. It's nice. It's funny because <laughs> it's like, it's not like I'm absent of, you know, flaws and my own fucking shit that I've gone through. And I think so many coaches are afraid of being like, oh, I had a hard day today. Like I actually, and I, I struggle with that a lot being like, how much do I share the mm. stuff that I go through on a daily basis while at the same time trying to be an example and be a model. And uh, I've had this argument with many coaches at many different points in my life where I'm like, you got to share the real stuff as well. Like you can't just be the like flawless hero. Like I know that might be seem like it's motivating, but it's impossible to resonate with. It's impossible to absolutely like, you fall into, you just fail trying to try to copy that. And then yeah. it's also not real. So it's like, I had a coach who was like, I never show photos of me when I eat a burger because at hundred percent, I'm not going to like, be, I have to be an example. And I'm like, yeah, but man, your clients eat burgers. So maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah. you should show them if they're going to eat burgers, how they should do it where it's like a one-off thing and, you know, maybe you don't get the fries or if you do, it's okay. You know, it's like kind of expose that side of things. I think being perfect is the the mistake. But, um, yeah, so it's nice to hear that because I know that I definitely struggle sometimes with like, oh. Yeah, uh, yeah, we all go through those emotions and I know in my deepest, darkest days and then where I've come to now, I'm like, oh, well, actually Kate's been through this as well. She showed me the other day on her Instagram, she has down days or whoever it is that I might follow on social media. If they, if they show you the ups and downs, you don't feel alone when you go through your ups and downs as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, God, yeah. And, and it's, I think it's like, you know, you're still striving to be the best example version of yourself. Um, but it's, it's like you said it really nicely before. It's like you have a bad day and the next day you just get on with it and it's okay. You just let the bad days be the bad days and then that's just cool. It's just judgment free and it happens and you still know what your goals are and the way that you want to behave and you don't have to judge yourself if there's just one off time. Yep. Yep. Magic stuff. You just made me feel so good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Finally, I might be repaying the favor. <laughs> uh, this has been so nice. It's so good to like, it's actually funny to sit down and reflect on years now of working with someone in that journey and especially because it it hasn't always been good like I I would argue that this is you know the last few months have been quite amazing and I'm I think this and I don't know if you experience this but sometimes you're like okay something bad must be coming like it's been too good like okay I don't know what's going on but this you know it's like you've actually been in a really nice place but for a majority of our time together we've been working through some hard stuff like it hasn't always been like this but it's taken everything that came before this moment to get us here and we just wouldn't be here without it like it just you have to go through the weekends of overeating you have to go through tracking and I think you know there were points where you weren't tracking everything and I was like track everything that passes your lips I don't care Mm -hmm. if you go over by 10,000 calories just track Mm -hmm. it and then there's the period of like don't track and then you know it's like there were so many things where you're just figuring it out and it and it's messy but that that's what ultimately got you here yeah and that's the process right that's the enjoy the journey that's it yeah if you don't figure out how to just like enjoy that learning curve and it's a hard hard learning curve but it's like if you walk if you had walked away from that at any point before this year we would have missed out on all of this 100 percent. yep Yep. And what's really funny is you bringing up some of those things. I'm like, oh, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> Holy moly. 
<laughs> yeah, we did do that. And yeah, yeah, so interesting to look back on. Yeah, yeah, you've come a long way. You've come an incredibly long way. I'm yeah. proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. I think that's a good finish. We're going to wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. All right.